What is up? What is up? What is up? We're back again with another episode of Between Two Posts, and we couldn't be more excited to uh, to be here. Episode 50. We're two away from 52. Again, it's taken us two years to get to it for a full year's worth of episodes, but man, we're, we're mucking it, we're grinding it, and uh, we're making it happen. All, at the end of the day, we're just making ends beat. Um, but before I, I drone on for too long, Mr. Moyes, how are you doing today? Good. Another day in paradise. It's uh, raining about 48 degrees here in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, actually, it's pretty sunny. See that? See the sun coming in here? It's gorgeous. Yeah, that's, that's Midwestern living, baby. <laughs> yes, sir. And, Surviving uh, in Olmstead Falls. Yeah. Just trying to get by here, you know. That's all we can do. That's all we can do. Um, EP, what's uh, what's new with you? Anything good? Eh, not bad. The return to the net last week didn't go too bad. One goal on 30 shots. Oh, okay. So we got another men's leaguer here rolling with us. Oh, not yeah. Bad. Um, I just want to ask, Evan, what happened? Moise. What happened? Mm, I don't know. What happened? I actually don't, I actually don't know. You know what I, uh... is impressive about Ohio State losing and uh, what his CJ Stroud's the guy's name QB? Yeah, yeah. QB. He took it on the chin, and I I feel like he's handled it. I mean, there's no other way to handle it. I guess. I mean, I guess you could be a dick about it, but I think I it was kind of impressive the way he addressed the media and said, you know, I, d- I didn't win anything. I haven't really done anything, and I get it. I just got to eat that. Yeah, actually, I didn't. I don't even know the interview you're talking about. I was working sadly, so I was like half watching it, like half bartending and. Um, yeah, I wish I could have watched more, but, um, no, I like, I don't know. I mean, we are, we obviously did so well against them for so many years and now it's just kind of, I feel like, you know, Harbaugh's got it figured out and turn it around a little bit and we got to do the same. That's all you can really do is just, uh, go back to the drawing board and turn it around. I hear like a lot of people are going after ryan day and everything like that but i don't know we'll see what we'll see what happens in columbus i I think uh i don't know they're either gonna they're either gonna blow it up and try and turn it around that way but what's honestly and like the way i'm talking right now that's the craziest thing about it it's literally like one game and whether it's osu or michigan it's literally like (laughs) if you aren't if you aren't winning the like the OSU Michigan game every year, like your, your job's on the line. You know what I'm saying? And that's, what's so crazy about it. Cause it's like, they're literally two and three in the country. They were two and three in the country going into the game, like both two very good teams. And it like, if you're the coach at either school, it literally counts for nothing unless you win it. So yeah. it's uh no, I just think it's, it's pretty crazy. And I'm just curious to see how everything shakes out now with, because I mean, I think OSU technically could still get into the playoff. But... They can. It's very real that they can still get in. Um, see what happens. The one even, thing, I th- even today, I saw on Twitter like the spread. Like if if or not the spread, but if they played again, OSU would still be the favorite, probably. Seriously? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, because there was something about like what I was reading is like. There's two like there's like two really like big game breaking plays 
Yeah. Like the, the, I think there was a big reception and a big run, right? I forgot. I honestly, like I said, I didn't really get to watch it yeah. as much as I'd like to, but it was literally like two big game breaking plays. And those are so random that like OSU would still be favorite because their efficiency on offense was still so good. And they didn't have like, they didn't really have like anything they got, they earned. Like they didn't really have any of those plays that were just crazy. So I'd be curious to see. I'm just like I said, I'm curious to see how everything plays out and what happens here. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, though. I'm pretty pissed. I put a pretty big chunk, you know, coinage on OSU spread because I'm like, this is going to be easy. <laughs> After watching Michigan play Michigan State, the quarterback, <clears throat> J.J. McCarthy, like I wasn't impressed with him throwing the ball. Like, obviously, he can escape the pocket pretty well. Run yeah. game is pretty sweet. Running back sick. But I'm like, you know, Ohio State's and I haven't watched this. Like, I, I'm not a football guy. I'm a sports betting guy. I don't I didn't watch any bit of OSU this season. But knowing what OSU is and what everyone claims them to be, I'm like, their defense has got to be pretty locked down. So, like, if you can take away this guy's run game and force him to throw the ball, like, this should be easy. And then yeah. they scored, they scored like seven. And then what do they have a field goal? It was like 10 rip right off the, the, the beginning yeah. there. I'm yeah. like, oh, I turned off my phone. I, I just, I had to go to coach a game. I'm like, oh, this is in, a, in the bag. No big deal. My, uh, my minus nine is going to hit. No biggie. And then as I watched the game go on, as I was driving home and I was watching the score, I was very, very rattled so oh yeah dude but uh congrats to you ep i mean your team came out you got your rough your rough childhood yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i mean Ever. what was that i saw a stat where like osu's won like the last 10 or something before now for the last two they michigan lost, yeah. michigan before last year had only won it in 2011 and any time before that i have no recollection been that's, like eight straight that's tough uh what do you call it Two's lucky, three's a streak, so. Yeah. I mean, uh, the I was with you on the McCarthy thing. I thought we were going to get blown out because J.J. showed that he couldn't throw the ball at all, like even though he has a great arm. Harbaugh took him to the Harbaugh School of Quarterbacks and made him a, a, a game a manager back. who can kind of run. Yeah. yeah. And then because I was just like, oh, well, Quorum's out. We don't have a running game because Edwards – I thought was going to be out too. I was like, okay, we're done. And then he has, he threw like two or three passes of like 30 yards plus for touchdowns. And Ohio state had only had, they think two all year given up like that. Yep. Yep. So, um, I want to circle it back to hockey. Evan, I, uh, Moise, Moiser, I got to ask for some advice here. When you're in a position like soup is right now with, with the Edmonton Oilers and that system where, you know, it's, the offense is heavy. The defense isn't necessarily as uh, important to that system. How it, if you're in Jake Cam- Jack, Jesus, if you're in Jack Campbell's shoes, what are you doing a little bit differently? Or what are you trying to do to right the ship, I guess? Maybe not doing anything differently. Maybe sticking to you know, the routine or I don't know. I don't know. I, I think at that point it's just a matter of, I mean, I mean, who am I to tell Jack Campbell what to do? I have what? like 25 minor league games in the lowest leagues in the United States. But um, no, like I said, I mean, I think for him, it's really just like at that point, you just have to show up to the rink knowing what you're going to get into every night and not putting any stock into how many goals are scored or whatever. Like you're going to see great days and you're going to see, you know, backdoor tap, whatever, like you're going to see all of it. And it's just a matter of, 
knowing what you're getting like i said knowing what you're getting into at the at the end of the day because i don't know it like it is frustrating like i think like the penn state like just whatever whatever whenever i think of a team that plays like that i think of penn state like they cheat for offense like as far as like in in my mind i think of penn state in the big 10 like they cheat for offense they just they don't really they're not really too uh careful in their defensive zone i think like peyton jones who's like in my opinion, like a really good goalie. And when he was there, like his, he never had like any crazy good numbers. It was just a matter of like, he was a byproduct of his, the system he was in, you know what I'm saying? So I, uh, no, I, I, I definitely, I, that's what sucks about it is like, if that's how your team's going to try and win games. Like, like, all right, well, here we go. Like, I guess, you know, a eight, five win is just as good as a one, nothing win. <laughs> Yeah, but even like there was that clip of Gretzky last year in the playoffs after they uh, like that like what was who were they playing in that series Calgary right and the games were all like crazy high scoring and then Gretzky's like someone's got to play defense at some point you know what I'm like God, it was one of those TNT like when they're all sitting at the booth or whatever but yeah I don't know I think it's tough though I mean like you think about their system and where they've invested their money right. Because that's the way you can kind of look at pro hockey and like, who we got this cap. How are we going to invest it? Kind of like the Leafs, right? That's what sucks yeah. for soup is you went from one system, well, from one team that had a system to another team, which runs basically the same. Yeah. <clears throat> now, unfortunately for Jack, he had spurts with Toronto where like he got a little hot, got a little cold, got a little hot, but like was able to kind of work his way through it. Where like in Edmonton, I think the the play style is very, very similar, but unfortunately, like getting left out to dry a little bit more and not being able to do a ton, I think is tough. Uh, do I think it's still early on and there's a lot of time left on the clock for him to, you know, like I said, right the ship, figure this one out and kind of battle back and find a game or a way to survive in, in this style of game? I think so. Uh, and I think that's, I like the optimist side of it is like, it'll be really cool if, you know, come after break, January, February, he gets hot. Like that's that's the perfect time to get hot. Like as long as you're right around that 500 spot and you get a little heater going, you know you're unstoppable at that point. But we'll have to wait and see what happens. Um, yeah, exactly. I wanted some input. What are your thoughts uh, on the Revo situation with him getting the uh, the move from New York and then that clip coming out of Truba getting bullied or whoever that was? I don't think it was Truba. I might be wrong. Um, oh. But, uh, did you see the clip? Uh, I forgot who's the captain in New York now. It's true, but true, true. When when uh, Drysital, do you see the clip of Drysital going by him and like after he scored and just ripping a stick out of his yeah. hand? <laughs> no, but I mean, I don't know what who who's the G, he uh, he played for Pittsburgh. Who's the GM in Minnesota? Oh, I Bill yeah, Guerin. Bill Guerin, yeah. Bill Guerin, like last year, goes out and get gets Delorier this year, lost Delorier this year, went out, got Revo. Like he obviously likes having a guy like that on his teams. And I don't know. I mean, I can, I can speak from it. Like the guy, like when I talk to my buddies that are on Cleveland, like they have Brett Gallant down here. Yeah. And I mean, that's a guy that's like one of the scariest guys in the American league by far. I mean, he's off the ice. He's the nicest guy I've ever met, but on the ice, he's, he knows what he's got to do. Yeah, he's scary and shit. And I know, like, talking to my buddies, like, when he's out there, it's like you're 15 feet tall, you know? And I mean, I think, uh, I think that's kind of 
Garen's way, probably doing the same thing for his team. And I'm kind of surprised, uh, like New York, let him go, let Revo go like that. Cause I feel like they're younger and kind of, I don't know if soft's the word, but they definitely don't you need have that like guy that toughness. Yeah. You need that, that guy. And I don't really know if they, if they have that necessarily anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's, it's weird because for a while there, it seemed like everyone was getting away from having, you know, like a guy like that, like back whenever, like back 20 years ago, every team had a, a full fucking line like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, now it's, now it's back to, I think just a guy. And I mean, some teams kind of get away from it. I feel like there's probably a lot of undercover psychopaths, you know, like <laughs> if they need to, they can, but I mean, I think like Columbus has that, um, Olivier, uh, Delorier is obviously in the league. Revo, you know, I'm just trying to think of other guys. Wilson. Top of my head. Wilson. Yep. And I mean, even Wilson, you look at him, like that's a guy that he's like a, what, you know, 40, we'll 50 up. point a year guy and then yeah. have 225 pims. It's like, I don't know. So I, I'm, like I said, I, I'm surprised New York let him go because, like you said, they I do think they will get bullied without a guy like that in their lineup. And I, I mean, they had they like they did get bullied the other day, but um, I I still think we're at a point in time where you need a guy like that. And uh, just curious to see how uh, everything shakes out. Yeah, that's where I'm at with Detroit. Um, just because you know they're kind of in that. So we're in a swing right now where like the Detroit Red Wings are in a swing right now where they have a couple parts coming together, right? There's some youth. Uh, I like Larkin's not considered the youth. I wouldn't even throw Bert in there at that point, but like you guys know what I mean. There's a lot of younger talent. They're, they're building something. Uh, but when you go to these games, like those guys stick up for themselves, but Bertuzzi being out while well, he's back now, you could just tell there's a little edge missing and like, you know, having that little bit of protection, I think helps. And I'm just wondering if Steve Eiserman is waiting till we're at the end of that, you know, rebuild to find a guy like, uh, what's that fat guy's name in Tampa, Pat Maroon, right? <laughs> Three times yeah. Stanley Cup champ back to back or back to back to back for him, which is insane to me. Uh, but you know what? Pigs can fly. Uh, but like, I think Detroit will end up having it because you got to have it. <laughs> at some point, right? You yeah, have to yeah. have somebody that'll stick up for guys. So that way guys like Kirill Kaprizov, guys like, you know, skill guys can go out and do their jobs because those guys can't, you know, get in fights. You look at what happened in Anaheim. Remember who did they gas to Vegas? And then after that, uh, uh, what's his name? Got clocked right in the face after he did one, his Michigan or whatever. Zegris. It was, yeah. Was it, was it to Zegers. Vegas? Yeah, what I thought it they was traded Delorier to uh, Minnesota. That, no, year. that's what it was. Sorry, it was Minnesota. Yeah, when they gassed Delorier and said we don't need this, and then Zegers gets popped the next game because he's out there doing what he does, which is fun for the game, right? But I yeah. think that's all a part of hockey. Now you have to have that. Yeah, he doesn't deserve to get like, you know, taking a right one right off the button, a right hook right off the button for just playing hockey. But like those are the things that happen on the ice. That's the nature of the game, and that's the thing that fans don't understand, and they get so pissy about, well, he shouldn't be able to do that. This is good for the game. It's like, well, you know, if you're an older vet in the league and you you have five to ten years in the league and you see this kid coming around with his giant smile and his long California hair buzzing around, he's, you know, stick-handling and dangling you left and right, and it's embarrassing, 
and you can't do anything about it. And if you give a shit about yourself or you have any sort of competitive identity, you're going to do something. And that's that's what you do. So exactly. Um, I wanted to bring up one last hockey note before I ask you guys some personal stuff. I don't know if you guys saw the picture. I shared it on Facebook, but uh, oh, this was tweeted from his mom. Um, but Isaiah Meyer Crothers, who's been, uh, you know, in the headlines of hockey uh, as of the last couple of years for unfortunate reasoning, uh, got to spend the day with Wayne Simmons and he's going to tonight's Monday. I don't know the date, November 28th. I saw that. Yeah. He's going to the Leafs wings game and uh, it's his 21st birthday. And I think that's pretty like fucking cool that Wayne, Wayne obviously, you know, and the Leafs or whoever, you know, set that up from his camp to like, Hey, like, why don't you come out to an original six game? In Detroit, like it's not the Leafs, but in Detroit, still pretty cool. And then there's that picture of them out downtown, and you can tell they went ice skating because that's where the outdoor campus Marshall's rink is, yeah. right in front of the Meridian Building. So I think that, well, first of all, I think that fucking from everything I've heard, and like obviously the stuff you see, like in the media, like Wayne Simmons actually seems like he is one of the most all time like good dudes all out there time, and. uh I mean that's fuck like that's fucking awesome of him to do for that kid and I uh, I mean no place in the world for what happened to him and I think uh obviously it'll it probably won't ever be made right and I don't really think there is a way to make it you know 100% right but the fact that he's you know people go out of their way to do stuff to make him happy and you know help him out and uh make him realize he's you know big part of the world and everything like that. I think that's pretty awesome. And I know it was funny actually not like just, just the, the timing of everything. I was out to dinner with my buddy, uh, the other night and that the monsters played the Marlies on, uh, I think Friday, it was either last week or the week before. Or, yeah. The monsters played the Marlies and Wayne Simmons was still down, I think. And he just must've got called up. So I, I'm happy he got called up so he could do all that for the kid. But um, no, it was just for the timing of it now. Just see, it's funny, but um, no, that's awesome. And like I said, everything I've heard about Wayne Simmons, that guy's a man. Well, and this is like when I was a kid in high school, I think, or maybe college, like Wayne was playing for Philly and you just watched what he did and like totally accountable for himself. He wasn't a huge points per game guy. But man, when he got out there, like tough as fucking nails, and it's like that. Yeah. Like, I've always wanted a Wayne Simmons jersey because I'm like, this guy's like, like you want to talk about fucking grit? Like he's got. Oh, it. dude. And then you. And you that's hear about, another guy. He can fucking chuck them. Yeah. Like you've seen, you see some of those videos. That guy can fucking scrap. Yeah, like you, you, I. Well, that was like the reason I think he was brought to Toronto was like, oh, maybe we can get a guy who can kind of fit in the lineup. But like, if we need somebody to go, like he can, you know, he can go because that's when. That's how I understood that signing when he originally got picked up. But yeah, like Wayne Wayne Simmons is like he's pretty high up there for me. Um, in personal news, though, uh, EP, you got Christmas coming up. Have you knocked down anything off your Christmas list? I really don't know what I want on my Christmas list, but I've been I was I meant for gifts. other people, but yeah, I'm glad you're always oh, thinking yes. about yourself. Good. <laughs> Good. Yes, I've gotten I've I've got people a lot of gifts. They'll send me one, and I'm like, okay, give me another. Like I need more. Yep. Oh, on my good. Christmas list, I just want an Evan Moyes jersey. Yeah. <laughs> and you That's all I want. Coming. Nasty. 
I haven't I, ordered it yet. I'm trying to decide on which one I want. Um, could you change the number though? From 31? Yeah, so you could do like like you could do like a custom Ohio State jersey, put Moyes on the back and then do 69 though. No, it's just set. I want to get it and then toss it with my Michigan helmet on. Oh, that'll that'll go over That'd really really luck. well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Moiser, that's pretty big time. You got replicas of your jerseys out there. Kind of nasty. I'm kind of surprised. I feel like they're probably losing money on them because they got all the stuff ready to make them, and <laughs> they're just sitting there. <laughs> oh man, you know what? That the guy. It just shows though whoever's doing those replicas believed in you. You know what I mean? Like this guy's you know gonna what's... blow up. I gotta invest in this stock and have his nameplates ready to go. You know what's funny though is there's like a, a kid, he'd always sit by like his he had like season tickets by the tunnel yeah. where we went out, and there's Tate Singleton uh that plays at OSU. There was like always one of his this kid always wore a Tate Singleton jersey, and it was like just uh like it, it looked, I mean, it looked like an OSU jersey looked pretty real, but it was just off enough where like the, the lettering on the name bar was a little different. The numbers looked a little different. And then that picture painter sent the only like actual Jersey they had a picture of was a Tate Singleton Jersey. So I, <laughs> I, I could guarantee you that that's the, that's the Jersey that like would always be sitting by our bench. That's awesome. Um, Yeah. The little leaf instead of it being like the Buckeye leaf is going to be a real like pot leaf. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on those replicas. Yeah. Well, that was always the funniest part. Like at uh, at Columbus's camp, Corpy came up to me and he, and he went, why do you got a pot leaf on your pad, dude? I was like, it's a Buckeye leaf, man. Come on, we're in Columbus. You got to figure this shit out. You got to be in the know, brother. Um, uh, Evan, Moise, uh, where you at with Christmas? I mean, you got you got Chloe, you got your family, brothers and sisters. Like that's a pretty long list. Yeah, no, I got a uh, Chloe one of those fucking air wrap things. That's what she wanted. Oh, the Dyson? Like a, not a Dyson shark. <laughs> it's like the. I wish I had the money to get her a fucking Dyson one. Holy buckets! Uh, it's like a shark one. That it's like a. I, I think it's actually pretty good. So I was reading reviews on it, and she already knows I got it because she's like, "Yeah, I want an air wrap, but don't give me a Dyson one because nine trillion dollars." Uh, well, but the shark bro, ones are good. What? Too. You got a shark one still? That's a two hundred and eighty dollar hair dryer. The Dyson oh, is. Oh no, I baby! Mean, the Dyson's nuts. That's six hundred. But this, the I just googled shark air wrap, and like that says two eighty. Yeah, you're holy. I mean, just get her a ring at that point, huh? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not there yet. Not there yet. We're getting there though. Inching along. Inching along. Um. Yeah, for me, I uh, I got I got some stuff on the works. I think we'll have big news. Uh, there's no way she listens to this. We're gonna have big news coming next week, <laughs> and um, I mean, oh, there's fuck. the occasional, there's the occasional, but uh, yeah, hopefully, big news next week, and we'll see how things go. Uh, you guys got anything else for the intro? Any predictions? Any hot takes? Cold takes? EP? Nothing. Um, Moiser. I'm ready for these stories. All right, perfect. I'm perfect. ready. Um, shout out to Easy Crease. Uh, check them out at www.easycrease.com. Also find them on Amazon. You know when you're on the ice, and uh, I mean, you guys remember when you were kids and you had cross ice drills, right? 
and like how brutal you'd get lost out there and like you'd be throwing a two pad stack you know three feet outside the net because you just you don't know where you are maybe that's just me but easy crease makes it easy to make a simple quick and easy crease anywhere on the ice you can use it for goalie camps you can use it for cross ice drills you can use it for anything uh, another use that i like to do is when we're doing tryouts or i got a lot of goalies on the ice at once i can set up three creases put two kids at each net and boom, we're at least doing our warm-up work and getting our edge work in and getting our skating in and getting our feet under us. Uh, I think it's a huge tool. Again, check them out at easycrease.com. Spelt exactly how you think it would be. They also are on social media, and you can see Neil Conway and his pretty face on all of those TikToks and reels. Oh, yeah, baby. Uh, Cleveland boy. Cleveland boy. That's for sure. Uh, we're very excited to, to, to announce our, our guest for the day, Nick Niedert. Uh, Evan Moyes was fortunate enough to play for him. I was fortunate enough to see him a handful of times as he worked for Wesco, which I can't wait to ask because I, I still don't understand how he jumped from playing to being the goalie buyer at Wesco Sports to now being a coach. So uh, there's going to be a lot of stories. Uh, Nick's a pretty candid guy, tells it from the heart, heart on the sleeve type of guy. Uh, and be sure to like, follow, subscribe. Rate the podcast five stars. Let us know what you think. Um, and we'll see you next week. Okay. Okay. Uh, Nick, you got any questions about this? It's pretty fucking simple, though. No. No, I'm oh, good. Perfect. Yeah, we just kind of freewheel it. And whatever me and Evan come up with at this point, we come up with. He's so. been on Chicklets, all right? He's been on the big show. Oh, yeah, that is true. Yeah, you were big. You time. should be asking us. You guys got any questions how we want to do this? Or. <laughs> Yeah, that worked out really well. Um, all right, let's fire it up. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and all those goalies all across the world, we're back with another episode, and we got a very, very special guest coming out of Hudson, Iowa, but right now he's down in the great state of Georgia. How about them dogs? It's the head coach of the Macon Mayhem. It's Nick Niedert who also, at one point, ran the goalie department for West Coast Sports. But, Nick, how are you? I'm good, buddy. I'm good, buddy. Thank you very much for having me. It's about time. Here's the other issue. I have 35, 40 minutes because I have to be at the coaches' show tonight in our in Georgia. So, But I have time. What's the coaches' show? Uh, basically, I go there and talk to fans about the weekend. Okay. Very cool. That sounds fun. That sounds very minor leagues. Like I'd rather. <laughs> no, it's good. It's it's part of the gig, right? Um. All right. My first question for you here, then, Nick. Uh, needs like the our run-ins together were always through Vaughn via Wesco, like sports. Uh, sorry, you buying gear, you know, buying for the goalie department and whatever else with the store. Um, I just gotta ask, you know, like like I told you before, one day Evan texted me. He's like, "Yeah, I'm in Vermilion now." I'm like. Oh, who are you with? He's like, oh, there's this fucking guy here, Nick Nieder. I go, what is Nick doing there? And I asked Denny Dahl at the store at at the shop. I'm like, Denny, did you hear Nick's like a head coach of a a hockey team now? He goes, yeah, I've been having a little bit of trouble getting a hold of him. <laughs> and uh, that was soon before we found out, like, oh yeah, I'm you know I'm now Nick is now with the team, and you know whoever I think the owner is is taking over for the buying for Wesco. But uh, my first question, how'd you end up? jumping into coaching like that um it was a mid-season replacement type thing that turned into something a little longer um 
you know, I, I played 17 years. Like it was always on the radar, Yeah. but I didn't think it would come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like it did. Um, that was the biggest thing. And the best part was it was, you know, it was buying time, which is the worst. I got everything. Everything was done. All the ordering was done. So we're good there. Um, you know, but I, I it a couple week thing turned into a few months and, you know, it was tough, like, especially with our relationship, right? Because I was flying out to Detroit and coming up and seeing you guys and going over gear and, you know, working with Mr. Vaughn on, you know, the SLR project and changing sizes and, you know, little, you know, critiques of different things. And then the next week I was gone. Yeah. You know, like I haven't worked in hockey retail and I haven't gone to a company or um, had my hands in any of that since uh, October, I guess, of last year of 21. So it's been a definitely a huge change, but it's been exciting at the same time. For sure. Well, I, I mean, I just want to say congrats. Not only did you jump in with Vermillion, which Evan said was uh, very smoothly ran, but, you know, now you got to step up too and, you, you know, you get yeah. to, to bump up and, you know, take that next step. So I'm bummed for you, man. So Evan is definitely lying to you. And I know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but yeah, like super excited to, to see you jumping up with Macon and you're in, in the dirty South, which during hockey season is not a bad place to be. You know what I mean? No, I'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt today during the day. I have to put the, this thing on for the nighttime, but no, still in shorts and flip flops. Tough life. I I, I feel for you, Nick. (laughs) No, my mom and wife, they have, uh, they have a lot of, uh, winter back in Iowa. So, um, that part's tough. Yeah, that's for sure. Nice arena background photo, though. It's nice. One of the nicest in Georgia, that's for sure. Well, there's only a couple. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's really nice. But is it? Is Gwinnett actually nice? I've never, I never actually got a chance to play there. Gwinnett Arena. It's very yeah. nice. It's really nice. Yeah, they do a good job. Um, when I was with them, they actually had more fans at their games on Saturdays than the Thrashers did. That's hard to believe, but very well believable. Um, it was incredible. They were drawn 11,000 back then. They were filling it, and then the Thrashers were just having horrendous attendance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I want to figure this out here. Uh Mr. Neater, because when you look at this elite prospects, it's unlike any other I've ever seen. It's very impressive because you come from Hudson, Iowa, which doesn't even sound like it's it's on the map. You know, it's got, is that a small town? It's pretty small. Yeah. <laughs> it looked like you want to give a little pushback there, but, but I know. couldn't even like pretty small. <laughs> you don't have a stoplight. We have a blinker, um, but it only blinks yellow by the school um it's just i think it's over 2000 now so we're we're bumping we're bumping <laughs> congrats friday, man that's huge friday night you can rob every house in town 
during football season because everyone's at the game. Um, like everyone, the cops are there. Everything's there. Um, there are, there's one bar in town. There's one grocery store. There's one restaurant that just opened and there are two gas stations. So it's, it's big. That God's sounds country, sweet. though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So anyways, going back to my original question here, Nick, uh, coming out of Iowa, you jumped right into like the Minnesota junior league. You had a year in the null after that. And then you jumped in the CEHL. Uh, but what's it like coming out of Iowa, out of a town of 2,000 people and trying to go play junior hockey? Like, that's got to be pretty tough to get seen and get eyes on you. No. Um, so where I'm from, it is, uh, you know, the select festivals? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they didn't have 14 at the time. It was just 15, 16, 17. Yep. And being from Iowa, I was part of what it was called Tri-State. So it was Iowa, Nebraska, and I, I'm pretty sure Kansas was in there. I'm pretty sure Kansas was in there because Kansas City guys were – yeah, Kansas City. And then St. Joe, Missouri, they they filtered over. Um, so you had to – the you go to a tryout in Des Moines, and they took one goalie – uh, three forwards and two D men to go to Chicago. And then in Chicago, you had four teams of 20, um, which mainly consisted of guys from Illinois, uh, St. Louis and Wisconsin. And then there were five of us. So there's 80 kids there, five of which were representing tri-state. Um, it was not ideal. Like it was, it was tough. And I was the only one to make it out of my uh, district, but I did it for all three years. And that kind of put me in that next category um, of being able to play at a high level. It was, uh, it was definitely eye-opening because Select Festival, it's the best 200 players in the country. Yeah. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. And back then it was only 10 teams. I don't know how many. I think there's 12 or 14 now. Uh, because I wouldn't doubt it. Numbers of players, you know, coming up. Um, there were 10 teams and like Central sent or yeah, I was played for Team Central and Central sent a bunch of guys to like an at large team like Rocky Mountain used to grab a couple. Um, Atlantic Southeast used to grab a couple. But um, yeah, I was in that the select festivals and that's really where everything kind of turned for me. Um, from a personal standpoint, it's like, okay, I'm here now. And then I was starting to fit in. Like I wasn't the up top and I wasn't the worst player. I was in the mix with that group. And that was right when the national development team started. And, um, I was 15 and, uh, Chris Bernarski was the one player from our age group that ended up playing on the U. He was the only 82 birth year that played that year. And he played on the uh, the U seventeen team. He was a really good player, and he was tough too. Oh my gosh! Um, but yeah, that's where I started getting in the mix. And then I left home after my fifteen year old year. It was that year I left home. Uh, I went and played in Ohio, and then my senior year was in Marquette, Michigan, for the electricians. 
And then, you know, obviously when you're playing midget major in that circuit, you know, bell tire Caesars bell tire, wasn't what it is now. I think they're pretty good now. Right. They uh, were in the, they're competitive, but like when you talk about the AAA here, it's going to be like your o- Oakland Junior. I mean, it's changed. The landscape's changed, and it changes every year. But OJG, Little Caesars, those are some of like your your top tier. See, I mean, Mr. Corey was running Caesars back then. They're always good. Uh, I think it was just Caesars, Honey Baked, Compuware, uh, Bell Tire, West Michigan Warriors, uh, Marquette, and the Sioux. Those were the only midget AAA teams in the state back then. I think it was seven. Yep. And now, I mean, there's so many teams that I never heard of, right? So it's it's pretty incredible. Obviously, the number of players has grown. Uh, the number of teams has definitely grown. But that's where I kind of decided, like, okay, this is going to be my my future with the game. I'm going to – I'm part of this, and now – just keep raising the bar, I guess you would say. For sure. Oh, yeah. No, and, uh, you know, obviously, figure we'll bring in uh, kind of how I met you, how everything uh, came to be. I I was telling Everett the story earlier, and I, I just figure I'll, I'll lead in with it or whatever. But I remember my best friend, Mike Tish, was playing for you in Vermilion, And then uh, kind of we just we had got to talking and at at the time like you and me were talking and uh Derek Army was talking to me and wheeling a little bit and you called me and you're like so what are you like what where are you at right now what are you doing I'm like ah kind of looking at you know playing uh obviously trying to figure somewhere out and right now I'm talking to wheeling and I'm talking to you guys a little bit and you said wait hold on hold on just just hold on he said I'll call you back in a little bit and uh you got off the phone with me. Five minutes later, Derek Army called me and he goes, All right, yeah, yeah, you can come on down, like be here tomorrow, whatever, and meet us in Toledo. And then five minutes after that, you called me. You're like, So how'd it go? I was like, Well, you got me on wheeling. <laughs> it was just like one of those things where it was like, Holy cow, like that that uh that came to fruition quick. But um no, obviously uh got to go to wheeling for a little bit and then after wheeling yeah, we- ended up with Oh no. What'd you say? We were on the bus to Roanoke. Yeah, I yes, exactly. You were gonna meet us back in Vermilion that week, the next week, and I was like, "What are you doing this weekend?" Like, well, talk to Wheeling. I'm like, "All right, I'll call you right back. I gotta go." And then I called Derek. I go, "Bring him in. He's playing for me later, but just bring him in." And he's like, "Okay, I'll do it." I knew he called you because he sent me the uh, thumbs up emoji, and he's like, "He's in." I was like, "All right, cool." And you ended up playing too, like right away. I did, yeah, I did. No, it was uh, it was just, it was so funny how it worked out, and like, and I told the story before too. It was on the pot on our podcast, and like Lekas, uh, they traded for Lekas, and then literally that night I called you. I'm like, yeah, they just traded for Lekas. Like, I'll see you in a few days here. <laughs> but uh, no, and that was the thing. I, for me, it was like I want to go. I like I wanted to play for you because you've been through everything. Like you've seen it all, and like I just felt like there was a lot to learn. And happy, I, happy I met you, and happy I got the opportunity. But uh, I, I just wanted to bring up Wheeling because you know Wheeling's a place where you know the historical minor league town. Like everyone's got a story about it, and I figured that, that would be a good, uh, good intro here. Like, do you got any good stories about Wheeling or you know? I- 
the man the, the wheeling nailers i the fan base is awesome you know the town i loved it being from a small town i loved wheeling i love the people i love billy like he's a staple there i absolutely loved wheeling because it's just it's tradition it's old school it was awesome um i remember biggest thing from wheeling um our bus caught on fire right when we got it on the highway and bus driver gets out billy gets out our bus driver got out with like the smallest fire extinguisher you could ever see <laughs> it's like a 32 ounce pop <laughs> yep yeah exactly no 24 like the 20 ounce but the extended four he got out and billy got out because we were in the back and i'm smelling smoke i'm like I yell up to the front. I'm like, coach, we got to like, we got to pull over. And then <laughs> what? And I'm like, pull the bus over. I use some expletive. <laughs> pull the bus over. Sure as hell. We pull over. Billy gets out with the driver. They have the 24 ounce uh, can put the fire out. Billy grabs a black roll of Renfrew tape, tapes the wires together. And then we went to Chicago. We continued. No big deal. I literally could have peed on West Banco Arena. That's how close we were. <laughs> if you know anything about geography, Wheeling, West Virginia, and Chicago, Illinois, are a couple, three, I think, states apart. Yeah, it's so, not close. No, all the guys, we get back on the bus, everyone's in their road tuxedos, and with shoes on, laying in our bunks with all of our belongings on our chest, like waiting for us to have to run off the bus again. <laughs> and the week before, I think it was a week or two before Tulsa's bus started on fire and they lost a bunch of stuff. Like all the guys' personal belongings just engulfed. That's brutal. Yeah. Um, I mean, Wheeling's kind of like a staple, obviously. Biz just did his big coming home thing and everything like that. Any other fun memories you have of being in the being in the wheel? So when I got there, ever there were I think seven guys on the IR. So they couldn't literally have housing for me. They all the guys, there are a bunch of guys downtown. It was before they built they built a really nice apartment complex, like really nice. Yeah. Uh, right next to the rink. It's it's pretty solid. Yeah. Like that's where I lived. Though I was there the last time I played there. Really solid. Um I was at the McClure for the longest time. The hotel downtown. Next is that like a no way? <laughs> what kind of mutants did you see coming in and out of there? I have no idea. It's right next to the 7 Eleven. Like, I would walk to the rink every day. I didn't drive my car once. Um, yeah, I was walking by River City every day. Like, it was it was awesome. And then on top of it, uh, the guys that lived outside of town, they were like the Midwest, like Western Canada guys. And this was the end of the year because I was there at the deadline. And then I went to, we had playoffs there. Um, I was there for playoffs. I would go to the rink and I would see a car there, a couple cars. I'm like, I was the first one there. And I'd walk in, nobody be there. And finally, there was a clear, really clear, really still day. And I heard commotion. 
And uh, do you remember the the river there, Moiser? Oh, yeah. Right by the ring. Yep. I go walking over. I'm like, what the hell is this? And the guys were fishing every morning. <laughs> really? 5 a.m. With their thermos. Fishing every morning. That was the type of team we had. It was awesome. I absolutely loved it. The guys were great. So in the Dude. mornings, I'd walk over, and they'd be fishing, and I would literally just sit there, drink coffee. We'd hang out. There's nothing more blue-collar than waking up at 5 a.m., breaking off the thermos, grabbing your tackle box, taking your pole down to the river, and just letting it rip. You know what I mean? Yep. They had their Folgers every morning. It <laughs> yeah. was awesome. I was like, do you guys catch anything? Not really. They just kept going, though. They didn't care. It was you, awesome. You just come to tell stories and cast a reel. <laughs> um, That's basically all it was. They would lay on the rocks and just let it go. It was great. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Uh, needs. So we got a story here. Um, I, I really can't believe this actually happened in pro hockey, but apparently in your first pro camp, the way cuts were made weren't how you normally do them, where you have everybody kind of jump out for a skate, you do your ice, maybe one, two skates, then you do your first row of cuts, you post them, boom, you move on. I will not you move say on. where this happened. I will not say where it happened, okay. but there was an issue where – the coach came to very good coach. This is a great organization, by the way. And this was early in my career. Great organization. They're still going strong. Championship or bust. That's their season. Like, that's how they do it every year. Yep. And this was, again, early in my career. And the coach was old school. Threw a puck. Like, came over. We're doing the 500. Buzzing around. Uh, came over and... Brought us all in. He sat there with a puck and a coffee in his hand. He goes, all right, five on five. Throws a puck out. Went into the stands, had a microphone or a bullhorn. It's gassing guys. I mean, What's... how long did Go it ahead. take you to figure out during that skate before it was like, oh, if you fuck up, like you're out? 25 seconds tops. <laughs> How long, how, yeah, like how long do you think it was before the first guy got cut? It was eight guys in seven minutes. Holy. We went from 30 to 22 in seven minutes. (laughs) Like what kind of mistake? I mean, I know this might be tough to recall, but like what kind of mistakes were these? Were these like bad dump-ins, maybe a missed pass? I think. Offsides? I think coach had the loaded gun that day and he was just waiting to shoot. Yeah. Uh, it was stick detail, just didn't handle a pass. Like guys that weren't physically ready. He's like, if you can't get ready for practice, how are you going to get ready for a game? 100%, right? Like duty calls. I I wish that would still be okay to do these days. Oh, dude. Could you, but I mean, like, could you imagine like showing up, showing up to the rink and then like eight minutes, like you're just gone. Like didn't even like have like seven minutes, eight players. Yeah. Because like lock, I was like, oh my God. So then he blows his whistle, walks down, goes to the bench and he's like, 10 o'clock means 10 o'clock. Be ready to go at 10 o'clock. Get a stretch. Put his skates on, got back on the ice. I'm, 
So then like a little while later, I found out what happened. There was, uh, this was like pre-social media. This was early. And somebody had a big going away party that the kid was going to go play pro hockey and he was on a tryout. Coach found out. Nuked him. He was out maybe five seconds. He like mishandled a puck. 24 white, thank you for coming. No, no, get off the ice. You're done. Thank you. Yep, you're done. Yes. That's insanity. That's hilarious, though. And I mean, you know what? You thought you were sweet. You got invited to a camp. You didn't even make the team yet. So we'll smell you later, bud. See ya. Honestly, it sounds terrible to say, but I probably could have done that this year. Yeah. You know what? Maybe it helps. Maybe it works, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's only, I think, two or three, four, five, five players that were here day one of training camp. Actually, no, not even that many. Three. There's three players still here. <laughs> so who's to say, you know, it would or would not work? But It definitely would have worked, but we needed bodies for training camp. I'm o- Oh, we're only allowed 23 in training camp. Oh, it wasn't like wow. normal. 23. And we can carry 19 as the season goes on. So, like... It's tough, right? Like, if you're br- cutting a guy, you better have a guy there already. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's tough to run with, especially in the SP. Like, in terms of resources, being on the road and how tough that is on the body, like injuries and shit, like, that's, that's pretty oh, slim. Like, if teams get – okay, you know how, like, it's that time of year where people are getting sick? Yeah. If Okay, for example, look at University of Michigan. What was it, two weeks ago? Yeah. Like, yeah. man. Third that happens, third minor. goalie throwing sauce from the blue line in warm-ups dressed as a player? Yes. <laughs> if that happens now with only 19 on the roster, college, what do you, what can college carry, Moister? Is it 25? No, like more. You can, you can carry as many as you want, I think. I think at one point at OSU, we had like 27 or 28. Okay. okay. No, but let's take this for example. You can have 27. Let's say 25 for argument's sake. You can dress 20 in a game. Right? Yeah. And then Michigan needed their goalie to dress as a player to have enough bodies to play a game that night. (laughs) Take away six of those players. That's what I'm at. I'm at 19. We can dress 18. And if we have a that counts against your roster. You can't just be like, oh, this guy got a five-gamer. Cool. I'll just sign somebody else for the next five. Can't do it. Nope. No, yeah, but actually – Different this, uh I feel like this this would be a good segue for another one Clarky teed me up for, which I, I did remember, but I, I it, once he said it, like it actually like clicked in my head. You actually got to dress as a forward for a game too. Yep. My last year I played, we I we were down in Georgia and one guy he broke his hand but he could play with it and then he was having swelling his hand was hurting inside of his little brace like you know you're supposed to brace his off and put him back on. He never did that. So like he would leave it taped and like on his hand. Needless to say it swole. 
So they cut it off and they were like, we have to re-break your hand. So he was out. One guy got uh, found out he was getting suspended when they were on the bus on the way to Georgia. Uh, two other guys got, one guy got food poisoning. Like guys were dropping like flies on the way and we had three goalies. And we were sitting at an outback in Columbus, Georgia for lunch. And coach looks at me, he's like, we don't have enough guys. Like we have to forfeit. And I looked at him, I'm like, before I change my mind, just before I change my mind, just we're doing it. Just we're doing it. And he's like, like, I'll put one of the suspended guys gear on. So I literally had to take warm up. And in the league, like you if you go no bucket, you can go no bucket warm up, by the way, but you have to have a hundred games played. I had or hundred, yeah, it was a hundred games. I had, I think. I finished up with eight seventeen, so I made seven other guys go with no helmet on, like some liability everywhere. I don't think anyone had a helmet on for warm up. It was absolutely outstanding. Like yeah. seven rookies, take your helmets off. Your grandfathered in this game. <laughs> You're <laughs> an animal. On on top of it, I did not have to wear a visor because I was grandfathered. You're kidding. No. Dude, and Clarky and Clarky didn't know for sure, but he said, "Did you did you register a shot?" No, I didn't take a shift. They told me to get on. We scored to make it one nothing, and uh, Joe's like, "Get out there!" And I was like, "No, no <laughs> chance," because I was kind of like, I was a little rough around the edges when I played, so I'm like, somebody's gonna run me because I played. <laughs> bunch of those guys i'm like no i'm gonna fight or i'll elbow somebody because i was always very intense and i was thinking about it i'm like i definitely would i would get in a fight my first shift somebody would chop me and i'd lose my mind because i could just go to the box and come back out as a goalie like i would always get suspended or tossed or because i if i snapped like i snapped i was not so with this situation i could just do it like two or three times and i was like nope not doing it my mom's here like no it's not happening well, but she see me but yeah i had to play as a player for us to have enough players i absolutely shelved one in warm-ups too by the way odd stick i was gonna say that's like the, that's like the worst like when when you're like when you're a goalie and you got another goalie shooting on you and he scores on you and it's just the most like demoralizing feeling like i always hated it it was so starter win everything like right at the knees right at like when you're standing like hit them don't have to move or i'd toss it in their gloves just nice and easy back up oh the hell with you i was taking slappers from the hash i <laughs> i was like this is what it's like this is awesome you know i have 800 plus games i'm gonna do what i want out here all right buddy you... i had hair like yours too <laughs> flying i got i'll send you a picture of it it's hilarious actually I it. one of the guys they so after the games were over and we were going our separate ways my goalie partner, uh, Kirk Gutting, he's a, he's a Vaughn guy. Yep. He was drunk on the bus, and he put my profile picture on Elite Prospects. It's me as a player. <laughs> 800 games of the goalie, one as a player. That's your profile picture. I love it. 
I had like the leg kick offhanded wrister. Oh (laughs) yeah. Gross. (laughs) Do you see it? No. I mean, somebody must've changed it because it's a Port Huron pick. This is from Port Huron as well. There has to be more than one photo up there of this. I'll find it. Guys, it's hilarious. You got to find it for us. Um, Needs, I, I think you set a record. Uh, four teams, three different leagues, seventy-two hours. What? How that all shake down for you? I mean, impressive. Congratulations, though. Anyways, um, <laughs> so it's kind of it's kind of funny actually how it all panned out. Um, so I'm playing in Elmira, in uh, in the coast. This was a Tuesday. By the way, I'm the only player in history to ever get uh, ECHL Player of the Week and sent to the Federal League without going to jail the same day. <laughs> like, you don't get, like, nuked from um, – I'm changing clothes, by the way, because i got to go to Coach's show. You guys are just going to ride with me. Um, I got – yeah, I got gassed from Elmira after getting Player of the Week – I get uh, get back to Connecticut. I was going up and down with Elmira every weekend for two and a half. I think it's two months. So it was like November. Started in November uh, around Thanksgiving, and then you know I got to got to do that, and then it was a weird situation. So I get let go, going back to Connecticut, and my coach meets me at the rink. My girlfriend at the time, she meets me at the rink. And I'm like, this was every weekend. Like, can you imagine driving from Danbury, Connecticut to um, Elmira, New York every every Thursday? And I would come back every single Sunday for weeks. Weeks. I don't even know where my keys are. Okay, sorry. For like weeks and months. So this was after January. This is January. Yeah, middle of January. And I'm like... Yeah, it was January. Uh, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm done. Like, I literally almost had an emotional breakdown. So the girl I was dating at the time, she's like, you know, let's just go have dinner. It was late at night. Um, My coach met me. He's like, when are you going to be done with this? Phil told me that. I'm like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I'm done. Whatever. So he's like, all right, I'll see you tomorrow morning at practice. So this was, this was Tuesday. And about five o'clock at night when I got back to town and then go have dinner, phone rings, no clue who it is. Yeah. No idea who's calling me. Actually, I can do that. This is perfect. Can you see me? Yeah, we can see enough. All right. No idea who's calling me. And it's a number I don't have. So answer it. Hey, Nick, it's Clark on it. Donatelli from Wheeling Nailers. How's it going? I'm like, pretty good. How are you? And he's like, good. We just uh, wanted to let you know we picked you up on waivers. We're going to need you for the rest of the year. What? By the way, Wheeling is in Elmira to play on Wednesday. No. <laughs> oh, no. It gets, oh, this is nothing, fellas. Trust me. It gets way better. So I'm like, all right. Sounds good. Can't wait. Um, all of a sudden, I, we're at a restaurant, and this, you know, like the winter weather advisory warning pops yeah. up? 
look at it, massive blizzard coming from the west. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I call the co- – he's like, you want to come up uh, tonight? I'm like, no, I'll meet you at practice because it's a road team, right? Yep. So you skip 11, not 10. So I'm like, all right, gives me another hour. No problem. It's three and a half hours, not an issue. I'll just go in the morning. That happens. I call the coach. I'm like, hey, is it snowing up there yet? He goes, no, but uh, I was just about to call you. You might want to get on the road. Yeah, all right, on the road. Went back to the rink, got my gear. So I was two teams or two leagues, three teams in like six hours. So I'm like, all right, whatever. Got in my car, drove up there. Uh, I got to Binghamton. And it is 38 miles from Binghamton to the host hotel in Elmira. Yeah. It took me three hours and eight minutes. I'd rather be dead. Because of the... Oh, no, this gets way better. So I got in at like 2.30 in the morning after eating, going to the rink, getting my gear. Got in at 2.30 in the morning. And then, you know, like when you're so tired, you can't sleep? Yeah. That was... Next morning, go to the rink, phone rings right when I'm walking in. What the hell is this? It's Coach. It's Clarky. And he's like, where are you? I'm like, I just drove to the rink early. I just want to put my gear in, let it thaw because it was in my car all night. And he's like, all right, I need to talk to you when you get there. Perfect. Why wouldn't you want to? (laughs) So he gets there. He's like, hey, just want to give you a heads up. You got called up to Bridgeport which is literally 20 miles from Danbury. (laughs) (laughs) It's all the way the other way. (laughs) Yep. So I was like, perfect. And he's like, you don't have to stay tonight if you don't want to. And I was like, no, I'm going to stay for the game. Like, that's greasy. I'm not going to do that to you. And he's like, but you have to be at practice tomorrow morning. It's like, don't worry about it. I'll deal with that later. But, you know, right now I'm with you and everything. He's like, all right, cool. So I sat on the bench that Wednesday night, and then after the game, I had to drive back through all that snow that fell, and I had to go back to my house in Connecticut just to go to Bridgeport the next morning to be on the ice for Thursday morning, and then I had to do my physical and all that stuff. Like, it was incredible. (laughs) Play Friday night in Albany. We get stuck in another winter storm, so we played Friday in Albany. Drove back, found out on the bus that I was getting sent back to Wheeling. Wheeling was in Cincy. Uh, We got back. I got in my car, drove to my house in uh, Danbury. My girlfriend at the time, she grabbed me. Like, I literally called her. I'm like, I'm pulling in right now. She ran outside, threw my stuff in her car. She drove me to uh, JFK. I was on the first flight out in the morning to meet the team in Cincy for that Saturday night game. Got to the rink just before the boys did for warm-up. Like, it was incredible. And then sat, so that was Saturday. Sunday we played in Chicago. After the game, the bus took me to the airport, dropped me off in Chicago, and they're like, hey, we're going to fly you back because we're this guy's injury in Pittsburgh. I'm not really sure what the hell's going on. So I'm like, all right, great. Monday goes by, no answer from coach. Tuesday, nothing. Wednesday, nothing. I'm sitting there. I'm like still looking at this uh, roster. I haven't left. Like I'm still on the roster. I was reassigned on Saturday. Like what is going on? 
And then uh, Thursday night, he calls me. He's like, where you been? I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you didn't, like, you didn't tell me. He's like, oh, I, I thought our assistant was going to call you. Anyways, uh, you know, we have a game tomorrow, right? It's like, yeah. And he goes, you need to get here for practice. So I'm like, oh, my God. So it was all-star break. It was all-star break, and neither of them decided to call me. Oh, no. So this is Thursday night in Connecticut. Wheeling, West Virginia is a long ways away. Yeah. Yep. Hammered that drive out in, I think it was like 10 hours, 9, 10 hours, something ridiculous like that. But, yeah, went back to Wheeling after All-Star break and was there the rest of the year. Buddy, I don't know how you didn't end up in a fucking asylum after all this. I'm coaching instead. I get, I get that. <laughs> it's basically the same shit. <laughs> yes. I'm coaching in the minors. It's totally different. <laughs> Man, you're nuts. Not bad. Stats. Not bad. I mean, that's incredible. I just don't understand how, like, you mentally survived all that. So, like, stick tap to you. Talk about being an absolute fucking warrior of the road because the you, you earned it. No, honestly, like... You know how like I was as an employee for Wesco, right? And yeah. how you know I would get into arguments with Scott or you know even Mr. Bond. I would say this is this is shit. Like this is bad product. Um, I was always intense about things, but the reason I think that I had or I still have so much drive and so much passion about things is because of the way I went through everything. And like, I don't, I'm, I try not to, when I played, I was always like, all right, hide your emotions, hide your feelings. Yeah. Have, as a goalie, you have to, your team can't know when you're rattled, whether it's you're pissed, you're sad, you're disappointed. You can't have that. You have to wear, you know, the different masks, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and then from a business side, when I would go to those shows and go to Bauer World, I was not afraid to tell you how I felt about things. Um, you know, when I go to CCM and help them with their next product, I would, you know, say whatever I wanted to because I believed in it. But a lot of those situations come from, all the experiences I had as far as working with other different people, different styles of people, different organizations that made me resilient, but the failure and the letdown and the disappointment made me who I am. Um, does that make sense? Pressure like, me diamonds. You know, when you get sent down, you're like, all right, what did I do wrong? Sometimes, like I said, I got player of the week. I did nothing wrong. So now here's the other side of the coin. When I go down, how am I going to respond? How am I going to act? Am I going to act too good for the players? Uh, Am I going to just do nothing but talk about my experience up? No. I'm going to come back and be fully bought in. And when guys would ask, like, hey, how was this? How was that? How was this? I tell them, you know. But it's just like as a coach, like my playing career, Guys don't, you know, need to know. They don't give a. They don't care about 
oh, when I played, this is what we did. When I did this, this is what we did. When I, you know, this, that, and the other. Um, you know, guys like hearing about, you know, stuff that happened, not how I handled things. They like to hear about, you know, you hear all these podcasts about these guys going for lunches. Like, oh, yeah, that happened. Lunch would turn into a lot of times. Um, you know, the game's changed. Human beings have changed. Everything's a little different now. I mean, what worked for coaches back when I played, especially early in my career mm-hmm. versus later in my career, or even the midpoint, then later in my career, everything has changed dramatically. But the one thing that I got to do when I was going up and down all the time was honestly a lot of self-reflection and a lot of, okay, how am I going to improve as a human and improve my team that I'm going to? And that was the biggest, biggest thing I took out of it. And yeah, there was a lot of, there was a lot of tough phone calls that I've had, you know, with family, uh, spouse, um, you know, when you see other players going up and you're sitting there twiddling your thumbs, you know, and Evan's gone through it, you know, and you're like, I'm a better goalie, but at the end of the day, are you a better fit for that club? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not. Like, but it was frustrating. You know, a lot of teams would call and say, Hey, where are you? Okay. We might bring you in this weekend. We might not. And then, we'll let you know. And then they go radio silent. It's part of it. It really is. It's part of the game. And that's the hardest part is, okay, are you going to handle it by getting pouty? Or are you going to handle it by putting your chin down and getting back to work? And I always, I handled it always very well in that regard. There was a couple, there was one season I played where I wasn't handling things very well. My attitude is horrible. When I was up, my attitude was good. When I was down, my attitude was terrible. And then it got worse because I would try to like, all right, stick to the basics, try to get going. And like for games, I couldn't even get up for it. Couldn't even get up for it. And then that I did get up for it. I would play very well. And then after I would get so much more mad because I'm like, how did that work today? And it's not working last week. Like what is going on? All right. Maybe I turn the corner and then I try to get it going again and flat, flat. And it's like, come on. You know, it's like just that. Then you get more pissed off and yeah. it, it was just an emotional roller coaster. It's like, all right, I'm playing tonight. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. And then flat, couldn't get going. Um, but, you know, in regards to the up and down, like I just took the best of it, you know, because what am I going to do? Sit there and pout? No, you got to move forward. We got to move forward. So now I'm going to go back to my team. Hopefully I can help us, you know, hopefully, you know, I go back to Danbury. All right, cool. Hopefully I can help us win. Hopefully I can you know, take something that I learned here and instill it in my teammates. That's the only way I took it. So, For sure. No, but that also, uh, makes sense. Life lesson though, right? Yeah. And it's something else that I've said since I started this whole career. 
Um, and it's, it's like playing golf. It really is. And it's like wrestling. That's the closest thing to being a goalie as a wrestler because it's just you versus something else. And you can't blame anybody else. Oh, my D suck. Yeah, well, you still got scored on. Still didn't do your job. Because if you're in position, you'll make the save. And it's only about accountability. And my biggest thing is what I learned was a life lesson. Like, at the end of the day, your family can pray for you, but it's your it's just you versus them. And it's just like playing goal. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? It's And then all those times where I'd have great games or bad games or get released or whatever, it's just me in this car. You know, you, you have to be mentally tough to get through it. Like one of the best games of my career was when I went to that stupid podcast after. Um, you know, I had one of the best, most complete games of my career in the ECHL. And I got in my car and enjoyed it by myself. You know, my phone was blowing up. People were going crazy. But honestly, it's like, it's just, it's just you. Like, I just turned my phone off and just kept driving. Yeah. You know, reflected on it for a little bit, but then you move on. But at the end of the day, like I said, when it's, when it's you and the Grim Reaper, it's just you. You have to find a way to be tough enough. And that's what my hockey career taught me. Oh yeah, and that's. I think that's one of those things that like hockey just kind of it gives all of us, and we all go through different experiences. And sometimes people walk away maybe a little bit sour. That's not always a positive thing where like they built themselves up, but uh, we all kind of roll through it differently. So, oh, there, there's now a thing called mental health when there never was. Um, you know, now there's social media, which there never was when I was younger. Yeah, uh, it's got. You know what? it's hot. It's gotta be hard. I don't know because I didn't go through it. The social media thing as a player, really. Um, you know, there was Instagram, Facebook towards the end of my career. Uh, my space was dabbling like early. <laughs> oh no. Like they didn't even have my space. Like my rookie year. That wasn't even invented yet. Yeah. So now here's the other issue. With that, look at what some of these players have to go through. Like, all right, let's take a junior kid, for example. There was a lot of times when I was – all right, let's just use me again. It's a lot of times that when I was in junior and you'd have a bad night, you literally were on the bus for 12 hours by yourself, and it's, you know, it's mentally killing you. Yeah. So how did we get through it? My – age category like how did we get through that in the 90 you know you found a way but it thinned out the herd a lot now you relied on your teammates back then nowadays everybody's on their own page you know imagine a kid junior kid playing in the O, 16 years old wearing a visor playing on the road 10,000 people in london ontario he a guy gets hit high and you know here comes all 16 year old into the pile he grabs the wrong guy okay he gets his face caved in 
from a 20 year old in front of 50 or 10, 11,000. I think that's what London holds, right? Something like 10, 11. Yeah. Gets face caved in. People are cheering, watching him get his face beat in. How's that kid going to school and how's he going to handle it? How's he going to respond? Because when that happened, when I was 15, 16, nobody knew about your teammates. You know, things yeah. are different now. That's why, you know, you, you throw in that mental health word. Like I said, we never had men, mental health didn't exist. Um, it was just you're soft or you're not. But for sure. now it's like, okay, are you looking for attention or are you actually having a problem? Um, you know, I went through a lot different things than guys now go through. So it's part of, you know, playing for so long really helped me understand the athlete that we're dealing with now. You know, um, you look at some of these kids, uh, Moister, you go work with a junior kid and you hear them communicate. You hear, you know, how they address different things and you're like, you're extremely immature for your age. Yeah. Or you look at it and you're like, I would have never thought of that at that age. You know, it's just, it's an immaturity and a maturity at the same time. Like some of these guys are so goal-driven. They're only worried about the end result. They're not worried about the process. And that's just like the players that I'm coaching right now. You know, we went through a slide and everything's just worried about just winning, just winning, just winning, just winning. You got to get there first. You yeah. know, you got you got to go down the road to get to the end result. And at the same time, you can't drive in the rearview mirror. I tell the players that all the time. Just because we lost yesterday doesn't mean you have to look at it. It's behind you. Move on. But those are my two biggest things is you have to trust the process before you get to the end result. You can't look in the rearview mirror while you're going forward because you're just going to keep crashing into stuff. And, you know, like I said, it's the playing career really helped me understand the player and the human being that is playing the game now. Yeah. What did you think? Oh. Yeah, I, I coached you. About what? Just how, like how you handled everything? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing is like, I feel like in that, like in that situation, to an extent, you kind of got handed a shit sandwich. And like, that was the thing that I loved about playing for you is like, you showed up to the rink every day and you gave us everything you had. And there wasn't really a sense of um, like, there was never like a sense of like, give up. It was like, all right, we're like, we're going to figure this out. Like that didn't work. Let's try this. This didn't work. Let's try this. Like it always seemed like there was a drive to figure shit out and get better and, um, you know, make stuff work. And I, I like, like you were talking about, like, your playing career, like you, you see a lot of, uh, like you see a lot of letdown, and then you see a lot of, you know, good shit and stuff like that. But like, no matter what, like it always needed to be like, all right, like the next day, I just got to go back to work, figure it out, and keep getting better. And like, uh, like that for me, that was kind of my experience with you, and that's like why I wanted to go play for you. Was it just seemed like you were gonna teach me, like? And that's like just the kind of person I am. Like I, I, I love to learn. I love to, you know, be taught. Like that's, I've always enjoyed like you know goalie work stuff like that. But 
um that's why i wanted to go play for you is it's like okay i, I like i want to be you know a good minor league goaltender you know a good goaltender in general and like it's like all right i have literally a complete legend i can learn from here like let's go play for him and no i, I enjoyed my time with you and i know like you never did wrong by me. I don't think you've ever really done wrong for anyone. Like it always seemed like you looked out for guys and gave everyone everything you had. Yeah. Like I did. I, I can look in the mirror after last year and know that I literally did everything I could to help the guys improve and to make the team better. You know, yeah. there was players that didn't belong for one reason or the other, and they had to go. Um, I know I had the best interests of the players and then the club. Um, I don't think everybody was on that same page that was there, though. Yeah. You know that. There was a, there was a handful that were just, oh, I'm going to do this so I can say I played pro hockey. And they didn't want to be pros. Yeah. You know, but the good news is I, I know that I brought it every day and I know the effort from myself was there every day. Uh, the effort was there from a lot of guys, but it also wasn't from a lot of guys. And that's what hurt us. Yeah. No. And I mean, my, from my personal experience, I mean, sadly I only got to play one game for you, but you ended up trading me from, uh, from there to the first place team in the league and ended up being a really good situation for me. And I was very grateful for it. So I told was, you that. Uh, you came in and you played well for us and then you got sick yeah um you got sick because covid was still a thing back then yeah and then uh you were out you you got really banged up though i did i was calling you every like at least twice a day yeah yeah i wouldn't text you i would call you like hey how's it going you were really banged up like i've you're already thinner, but oh my god, you lost a bunch of weight. Yeah, was, I lost ten pounds in about five days. Yeah, you were on the shelf for. I don't think even when you were able to come back, you weren't ready to come back. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> so I kept you on the COVID list. You were, I think you were out for almost twenty days. Was it nineteen? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, you could not – you literally could not put your gear on for, like, 19 days. Was, yeah. And you – it was tough, but, like, then you came out of it and you started – you were skating. You skated only for, like, two or three days, and then a trade popped up, and I'm like, Evan, this is a good thing for you because we had – we were a low-budget team in a tough area, and – you know, you had a long enough season where I thought this would have been a great thing for you. And it was like you, you had success there. Down there, but it was a good spot for you. I was happy that you got to go there. Oh, yeah, me too. No, I uh, I really enjoyed it. But uh, if you got time for it, I got I got one more. And Knoxville kind of makes me uh, bring it up. This one's from uh, from Clarkie too. But if you got time for it, I got one more story I want to ask you about. There we go. I think we got yeah. you. All right. 
I just I had this one. This one's from Clarky, and I just got to ask you about it. I heard your uh, your old lady was your e bug one night, and, you sh- and she had to come in for you. <laughs> I hate him so much. <laughs> they did a they in in hockey thing. That's actually where we met. Um, this is before we started seeing each other. Like. We had to do in Elmira. They did this women's hockey thing, and she was dressed as the backup IA clerky for this. And oh my God, Hannah literally tells everyone about this. Everyone, she will not shut up about this. So Brent was suspended, and he was like on the radio with Robbie uh, Nichols, our our owner and president. So the game, and I looked over. 40, I think 41 or 42 seconds left. And I was like, it's not happening. Like this is no, no. I was furious, furious. Like I wouldn't look at the bench, wouldn't look at her. I just turned turned around, turned my back to the play. And I was like getting a drink and I was looking, you know, like you look off the glass, just like when you go for a rim to see like, all right, you just look off the glass. And then when you're after you head check, so I was looking at the glass and I hear the place just start going nuts. And I was fuming. Wouldn't even look at her. Took my water bottle off the bat. Like, absolute, what a dick. Like, wouldn't even leave my water bottle for her. No, it's mine. Like, she had to stick her hand out. I like swatted it. I was pissed. I'm still pissed. But anyways, yeah. She relieved me in duty. They called in. They called in Anna. That was ridiculous. Absolutely, <laughs> I'm still. Pissed. That's it's classic. Not funny. It's not funny, Robbie. No, that's good shit. Organization. I'm still pissed about it. <laughs> that's incredible. Well, needs before no, we lose. She has a picture of it. She has a picture of us crossing paths and her sticking her hand on like yeah whatever. In my water s- bottle literally in my glove like I you, got, you, you gotta send that to us because we gotta see it oh well, actually, man wearing bond too beauty oh um, there you go we're both in bond needs before we lose you again i just want to say thanks for taking the time uh we appreciate it it's always great catching up with you and getting the chat and uh i want to wish you the best of luck with you and making and the troops down there as you guys move forward already Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. I miss you guys. I can't wait to someday get back to the retail world and come back to Vaughn and give you a rough time. Tell everyone I said hi, would you? We I absolutely will, buddy. We'll talk to you shortly. All right. Drive safe. All right, guys, thank you. Thanks, Needs, man. Thanks, guys. See ya.